ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the CMPU, in association with 898 Authentic Rock and Roll, proudly present the ultimate catalog collection. Metallica album is traditionally an exhausting event. It should rock you to exhaustion, leave you brutalized and drained. This one is no exception. It is, however, the first Metallica album to make me wonder at any point, what the fuck was that? It's as if the jackboot grinding the human face were to occasionally take breaks for a pedicure. That's a review from Melody Maker on June 8th, 1996 of Metallica's first post-black album offering, Load, which we're talking about today on the Ultimate Catalog Clash. I'm Kevin Brown, and I'm joined as always by my good pal Corey Morissette to take on the discography of one artist per season to find out which record will emerge as that artist's best album. This season, we're covering uh, Metallica's 1990 output, and as I said, um, we're talking about Load today. And today, side B, Corey, how are you, and are you ready to talk about this side of this album? Are we fucking nuts tonight? I'm ready to get fucking nuts tonight, you betcha. <laughs> Slayer! <laughs> oh, that was a very young James Hetfield, I think, on the Justice Tour, actually. Uh, was it really? Yeah. If James is ready, I am ready. I tell you, there's, like, like I said, high highs and low lows uh, on load, and I think we might hit a little of both uh, on this side. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Um, I was a little bit weird because you know you you weren't you weren't very happy with me last week about until it sleeps. So I was like, oh, I hope this album goes okay because there's one song on this side of this album that I don't know, dude. I love it. I, I, I'm a movie fan and an intellectual and uh, emotionally more well-rounded than you, so I understand why I, I liked it a little better than you did. But <laughs> can you say fuck on the radio? Sure. I might be saying fuck on the radio a lot though. If you don't like uh, one of the songs we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> Oh, I think I think we'll be okay. I think we might be simpatico on this one, you know. I hope I've so. got a feeling we're going to be pretty close on this side, Corey. Okay, I hope so. Anyway, a pretty divisive side. We're we're talking about. Uh, well, actually, th- this side's not too bad. I, I was kind of I was thinking more of side C. You you have a real uh, a real eclectic uh, mix. Um, side B though is going to be something. I'm really looking forward to getting into this one. Uh, me too. I mean, again, you know, as, as the as the non the non Metallica guy, I. I haven't heard any of these songs before, you know. I think King Nothing was a single, right? It was, yeah. Um, last single of the album, but it didn't really chart. And I was you know, sort of established earlier on that I don't really listen to radio. And I certainly wasn't listening to Metallica on the radio in 1996, 97. So I just, these were first listen, first time listens. Um, everything on this album when I started digging into it for the show. So it's been uh, fun. Bleeding Me was also, uh, it was never commercially released as a single, uh, but it was a promotional single. And it eventually reached number six on the U.S. mainstream rock chart. So. I know you don't like to consider those singles, but it kind of was. If it hit a rock chart, it's a single. Come on. No, that's just through radio play. There's lots of album tracks that get the get on the chart through radio play, and they're not singles. That's almost as insane as uh, doing 10 episodes of a podcast and calling that a season. That is a season. It's not a season. I fucking say so. <laughs> 10 episode seasons. Oh, we're on episode 61. This is season seven. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, folks, he's picking on me again. A little bit. Little Corey, bit. Corey's picking on me. Fucking picking at me all night. <laughs> you just you sitting there just being a dick. <laughs> I didn't even have to play that one. You did it for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I got some new sounds for tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. If you've not heard, if you've been to catch, just catching up on the pod, Corey's got a new toy and he's been using it. And it <laughs> the worst thing is it makes me always makes me laugh. He's I'm corpsing all over the place. I'm just laughing at the fucking lunacy on the other end of my Zoom call. So One of my favorite things to do is make you laugh, though, and all the people that think I'm just a raging <laughs> asshole in, in real life. No, I do that for comedic effect for Kevin, because Kevin's actually laughing at it. So I, I'm, I'm actually really nice. Please stop sending me hate mail. Yeah, have you got any hate mail? Send it this way, you know. Although I do have a, a, a quick story. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he's a technician in the company I work with. His name is Jared, and he was over trying to fix my uh, massive internet problems I've been having the last couple of weeks that have impacted my recordings here and stuff. And uh, he's a big Metallica fan. So I said, oh, you might want to check out uh, the next season of my new show. We're talking about 90s uh, era Metallica. And, and he listened to the first two episodes. And he called me right after he listened to episode B. And he said, I got to tell you, I really like the show, but I'm really not used to hearing you happy. Uh, I'm used to work, Corey, where you're like stressed <laughs> and miserable all the time. It was kind of weird to hear you with some life in your voice that like you're actually enjoying something. <laughs> 
So thanks, Jared. Most it's nice to know I'm an asshole at work. <laughs> hey, Jared, thanks so much for listening. That's Absolutely. Really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully he sticks with us after Kevin starts ripping on Lars uh, end of the Black Album into side A of uh, Load. Well, didn't you say that he's a drummer? He is a drummer, a very good drummer, actually. He helped me set up my kit, and uh, he, he has one of my uh, my favorite uh, quotes, because uh, I don't think he's a big Van Halen fan, and I played him the intro to Hot for Teacher, and he's listening to it, and he goes, well, that's just not even possible. It's like he's playing, like, three <laughs> different things. I'm like, yeah, Alex Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is overdubbed. You know, it is dubbed, but... A little bit, yeah. But, but still, yeah, a brilliant part. But I, I would say, though, and I mean, maybe, Jared, if you, if you listen to this, leave us a comment that I think that I'm on safe ground criticizing Lars Ulrich with, a, with another drummer, especially if he's a really good drummer, because I try to be even-handed. I know he just fucking sucks. I always give you chapter and verse, Corey, on exactly why I think he sucks in mm-hmm. certain sections of certain right. songs. So. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Jared never really tipped his hand to me uh, one way or another if he likes uh, Lars. He did say at one point, though, that, that Kevin seems to know his stuff because he started talking about a fill he hates, and I knew the exact fill he was talking about. <laughs> so there you go. You made a fan. Fantastic. Never been comfortable with calling uh, podcast listeners fans, Corey, because it Either. just feels icky. They're just listeners. They're <laughs> friends. I like friends. friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless you rip me on Reddit, in which case, go fuck yourself. My fucking friend alone, you bastards. <laughs> they're, just, they're just wasting their hate, Corey. They're just wasting their hate. They really are, like Waylon Jennings. But but we'll get into that one <laughs> a little bit later. That's uh, next this, week. That's next week, yeah. You know what's this week? Uh, like you said, it, it's it's one of the, the singles off of uh, Load. Uh, this is a little ditty called King Nothing. Did you hear that? It's the sustain. You know, you pick it up and go, oh, you can go and get a bite, and you come back and still go, oh. <laughs> I can't hear anything. <laughs> well, no, you would if it was plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would, though, if it were playing. If it were playing. Yeah. It's like fire and ice, basically. Uh-huh. You see, you know, I feel my role is to, in the band is to be kind of in the middle of that, kind of like lukewarm water. <laughs> that, that That's kind of Scott's uh, role. <laughs> Uh, in our podcast, you know, if you're fire on my he he's the lukewarm water. But I, I just really wanted to hear, I wanted to hear a little Derek Smalls there. We cut it off there just before the you know the bass starts playing, mm-hmm. and we were talking a little bit offline about you know we're doing our sound test before we started recording here, and that intro is long, yeah, but it's so cool. Like it's got that really sort of irritating fly buzzing around kind of thing. We think what what is that? <laughs> But it's super cool. Like I think that I, I like things like that in songs, not all the time, uh, but I think it really works in this. When that bass comes in, that bass tone is just fantastic. It really is. But the question I had for you was, uh, do you maybe make this the album opener? Because remember, this was, wasn't uh, uh, sequenced for vinyl. It, it's a, a two LP record. So this is just song number five on the CD right near the yep. end of, of the first side or right in the middle of the album here. So. Uh, first side, I guess, if you're talking about cassettes. Uh, I was talking cassettes on an earlier show, so I still got that in my head. But uh, Ate My Bitch is the opener as opposed to King Nothing. I don't know. You kind of want that big progressive build, don't you? The only thing I wonder is the beat in this and the tempo of it are very similar to Sandman. Okay. So I wonder if they would just sort of think, well, we don't want to open the album with something that sounds similar. Because, yeah, I mean, in terms of lead tracks, this is a fucking no-brainer for me. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, it's a great introduction of the band too. You start with that, you know, that that note, and then you get, and then you get the bass, and then it yeah. just and, and it goes from there. Let's let, let's keep going here.
So this one is for like the metal fans. It's like, okay, yeah, you, you maybe didn't like a couple of the early songs on this, but Metallica is still metal. It's, so that's what I was, I'd actually written down to ask you that, Corey, because this feels like, I would categorize this as hard rock. More than I'd, like bands like Clutch, Audio Slave, I can hear a band like this, like that, doing a song like this. So I do wonder whether that sort of that step removed from metal, which the Black Album had as well in most through most of it, is where I'm starting to kind of realize now why people stepped away in this in this period. And that's not to say that I don't like this and or that I prefer the early period because I don't know that or don't know it. Mm-hmm. But I, I can sort of see it right because I, I, there's a lot of stuff on this this side and the next side where you think, yeah, they're going in directions here that a metal fan either just doesn't might not listen to or they don't want Metallica to sound like, you know? Yep. Uh, this one to me is a, a little more of a callback to the earlier stuff in, in, in just in terms of like the guitars because you, okay. you get some big heavy guitars in this one right they're all like down tuned I'm not sure what tuning this is in but it, it could be drop D it could be fucking Q I don't know but it's 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 nice and it's got like a heavy slog to it Lars wasn't Larsing it up right uh, dur- during that kind of bridge into the main riff what did he do Tom Tom boom done yeah like little things like that Um, so to me the, I always kind of thought this is the song that might uh, appease uh, the, the diehard Metallica fans who weren't even that happy really with the Black Album. You know, er- everything past, uh, you know, justice is, is bullshit. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's not as, as, as heavy as, as they would be, like in Kill 'Em All and Master and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's it's a little bit of a callback. Certainly more than what we're going to get coming up on the next song, which is like, uh, you know, a Soundgarden song. <laughs> He's talking about the guitars. What I think what works nicely on that too is you've got that sort of, you've got the bass playing in that slightly higher register, and you've got a really crunchy low um, rhythm guitar. But then you've also got the Kurt coming in over top with it's, it's it's in the treble. So you've got a lot of there's a lot of bandwidth being taken up by the guitars, but they're not clashing with each other, which I always like. That it is again we've talked about this on this show before. I like songs with space in them, and this has got bags of space in it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I was drawn right to the the lyrics because. Uh, this is a situation where James uh, said he didn't come up with the lyrics until the day before he was due to sing it. Oh, wow. And uh, he, he said, and quote, sometimes it's not quite important. What's being said is how it's being performed. He goes, I'll take it as long as necessary. I'll take as long as necessary to get it done. And sometimes it'll go right to the day before the recording. Which in, in this case, like, again, uh, you know, wish I may, wish I might have this wish I wish tonight or have this I wish tonight. Are you satisfied? Dig for gold, dig for fame. You know, it's all about, you know, be careful what you wish for. Uh, great theme, uh, yeah. you know, rush lyrics, maybe. But again, it's all about how he's performing it as opposed to what he's writing, I think, in this situation. You know what the original yeah. title of this uh, track was? little Metallica trivia for you. Was the title set before the lyrics were written? Yes. Then I have no fucking clue. Load was the original working title of this track. Oh, and so that's where the album gets its name then? Yep. And then uh, James oh. just couldn't write any oh. lyrics that, that kind of matched the title, so he kind of ditched everything in the night before he wrote this. Well, I mean, as a sort of a off-the-cuff, hurried lyric, I think it stands up pretty well. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, we've talked, it doesn't have to be Shakespeare. I, I do have problems with some lyrics, but this is one that's just more sort of, I don't know, like abstract. You know, there, there's a yeah. theme there, and like you said, it's about, you know, this idea that be careful what you wish for and you king for day and all this kind of stuff. But it's not really clear in that first verse it's just stage setting it's just sort of setting a mood and sometimes when you've got a riff this good and, and the band's tight you don't really need the vocalist and lyricist to be doing too much i tell you where he picks it up though is in the pre-chorus into the chorus uh, which is coming yep. up next year all the ones you
And it's that bit there where I mean, we cut it too early, I think, maybe because every now and again my I get my times wrong. But and what I think it is, I write down the time they want to stop at, get distracted by something else a little bit later, and then write the wrong comment with the wrong time code. Because <laughs> where he does that, where's your crown? He does that, but then Kirk plays that great little lick. Yeah. This like, song's full of really cool little licks that Kirk adds in, you know? It's almost like, like a call and response here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll even back it up a few seconds. We can check it out. Where's your crown, King? I mean, there's your transition right now. You've got Lars unbelievably playing exactly what he needs to be playing. Mm-hmm. And it, that lick, that transition from the chorus out back into this next verse, just chef's kiss. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. One of my favorite choruses in Metallica history. I'm going to take a lot of shit from Metallica fans for that, but <laughs> and it all crashes down and you break your crown and you point your finger, but there's no one around. Uh, just, one, uh, just one last thing, just to play the king, but the castle crumbled and you're left with just a name. Where's your crown king? Nothing. Like It's, it's, that- it's profound. It's... Oh, it's it's incredibly well written, and that chord, ch- uh, the chord change on your castle crumbled. They go up like I think it's probably a, a full step, and moves up to the second, the major second or something, and then the tempo changes just a little bit. The, the, those little things they do really fucking well on this song. I think again, when we we'll get to the production, it's difficult to find negatives in the production in this song, Corey. And, and the production is very cool because we have uh, Kurt Hammett playing rhythm along with James here. So James is on the right side, Kirk's on the left side, yeah, and. Uh, uh, Kirk actually uh, doubles uh, some stuff that James already did. He said he felt really bad about that, uh, but uh, they wanted to get a looser sound on the record, and the best place to do that was the guitar, so James was kind of cool with it. love that push pull there the big stop in the middle and then it comes back in again yeah and i didn't i read that it's actually uh james playing the the solo on this one right yeah lead guitar on king nothing yeah oh okay yeah and it's funny because it's he's playing kind of like kirk he's kind of got roughly the same ish tone but it does sound just a wee bit different it's not exactly what kirk would play um it's cool is it as strong as it could be I don't know, but I don't hate it, and it doesn't put me off. So, and uh, I'm really impressed as James as 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 a solo guy. Yeah, I actually was I was hunting for uh, sound clips to put in my road uh, roadcaster uh, that I could surprise you with tonight. I found one with him uh, just during a the, just like a band warm up before they're about to hit the stage. They have a little tuning room, and and he was t- he stole one of uh, Kirk's solos and was wailing away on it. And he, the camera pans to Kirk, and he's giving him the stink eye. And James, like, eh, but he's doing it just like Kirk Hammett <laughs> would. It was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah, James actually does uh, lead on a few songs. Two by Four, The House that Jack Built, which we both covered last week, King Nothing, Thorn Within, and The Outlaw Torn. So, thanks. Okay, right here we're getting a little bit of a breakdown before we come to your favorite part of Metallica songs, which is a spoken word section. But uh, it, it, it builds so well. So I'm just, I'm queuing it up. We're going to talk about it after we, we play it. But this is about, you're going to get the, uh, one of my favorite parts of, of King Nothing. We'll see what Kev says. But I like that bit too, because the the big chord in the, through the solo, the, that, they leave that in, that sort of, that decay stays in. And it's sort of, you know, a, like a, you've got that um, sustain is in there. You can hear the sustain. <gasps> but then you get the bass coming back into lead again and Lars drops out and just starts getting on the kick. I, again, I like that dynamic shift. I think, Again, that's one thing that this song does really well. It manages the, dan- the dynamics really well. Yeah. And I like that bit. So. We're somewhat of a heavy band. <laughs> I wish I might have 
All right, I'm going to pause it there. We are going to listen to that last chorus because it's the best one in the song. But, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that section? Fantastic. It just works, man. Everything about that works. And, again, it, this song is Sandman-esque, man. Like, it, it does have a lot of the same dynamics in it. I think this is better. I think it's a better song than Sandman. I know that, like you said, Metallica fans, maybe 90s poppy era Metallica fans will go, oh, go fuck yourself, bro. But I think it's a better song. I think that, I think it's, it's more interesting. And I love that little diminished minor... Uh, chord drop that Kirk does where he's playing those those broken chords mm -hmm. and he just throws that minor third and he's like oh so good <laughs> I will say one thing that I think they do better in Sandman than there is when you have the, 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 the just playing the riff and then in Sandman, Kirk, uh, James gives you the oh and, and the whole big uh, production kicks back in. Here we had yeah. nothing and we didn't have that big moment. It, it just kind of came back into one guitar and it's like it felt a little anticlimactic. It would have been way too derivative of Enter Sandman. I, I understand why they didn't do it, but I kind of missed that that big kind of punch. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. like. I, I didn't really... I'd considered that bit because i kind of like that it, it's got that sort of it's just that hang time right you're just waiting oh and it doesn't come and there's a bit in a song i think next week we're going to talk about where i'm like fuck what did, it didn't go there but that one doesn't bother me too much and i think the ending of this is way better than Sandman. okay Sandman fades right yeah well it, it, it's just the erupter never never line take my hand i think and uh yeah yeah, yeah. there is a, a cool we little have, we have an ending on this one yeah uh, you know what? I'll be, maybe just play it from here, but we do get a callback to Andrew Sam at about 516. King Nothing played 369 times live, which to me is shockingly low. Yeah. Um, I like that self-referential line, though. Right? That often never level landed. It's, it's got that sort of, it's like the tongue-in-cheek self-awareness that I, I like a band of, and that's what I've said to you before. Heavy metal sometimes, I think, takes itself very seriously. And Crown King Nothing, no, it's that idea that yeah, you're not as big as you think you are. Maybe it's that, like, that king shit kind of thing. And I, I like that nod back to, oh, we had this big hit. Well, we're going to, you know, a little bit of um, a little bit of humility, maybe. Well, and some people speculate that this song is about Metallica. Uh, I read yeah. some reviews on that. Maybe they were just uh, acknowledging the fact that it sounds pretty close to entertainment. Either way, own. it works for me. Kevin Brown, does it work for you? Give us your scores on King Nothing. Music 9. I dig it. It's a tidy, tight, hard rock riff. I basically like all the elements. Lars plays a really solid part in this song all throughout it. I, I didn't find a single thing. Like, ah, fuck's sakes, what are you doing there? There's a few times where you think, oh, he's going to do the ratatat here, and he doesn't. Falls back in it. Um, the bass line's a ripper, and you can hear it really, really clearly. I love it. Um, I, I mean, I think the solo is a little bit weaker than maybe if Kirk had written something. But, I mean, it's just such a small... It's such a small knock, so it's still a nine for me. Lyrics again, it's a nine for me. I think they're they're tight, they're well written. It's not the very, very top table, but the way he snarls those lyrics, especially when he, he kind of spits out the word king, it's derisory, right? Like he's he's making fun of that. He's he's mocking himself when he yeah. sings it, which I think is just super cool. So and a great vocal delivery. Um production five. Like I just I I, I went through with and sat and thought, well, can I give this a five? There must be something. Went through list again. Yeah, no, it's arranged well. It's not too long. Everything sounds good. The drums aren't killing me. The snare's not killing me. So, nine, nine, and five, Corey. How about you? Well, uh, I was way off uh, from your scores. I was nine and a half for music. Uh, I gave it a, a point five, a little more. Again, and the, the solo didn't bother me. Uh, musically, again, just at the ending, I, I thought there was maybe an opportunity to do something a little bit cooler. And it, it just little disjointed that the min, minor, it's the smallest nitpick I could give. 
So 9.5 for music, 9.5 for lyrics. I'm only docking at 0.5 because a couple things in the verses may be a tad weak. Uh, but, you know, the the theme of the song is fantastic. The chorus, I already said, is one of my favorite, if not my f- all-time favorite in Metallica history. I love that chorus so much. It's written so well. And then production five. Uh, no notes. Fucking great. Fucking great tune. Uh, yep. And I put it right up there with Until It Sleeps, which is one of my favorite Metallica tracks. Comes from this album. So does this one. Uh, man, for all the load haters, uh, is like, are you listening to every song? Because uh, some of the shit is really, really good. Is is that a case too, Corey, with some of those fans? Maybe they listened to it once and thought, "Oh fuck, they've just they sold out their soft now." Yeah, probably. And sort of some some songs do take two or three listens to really sort of catch. Actually, I really like that because I guarantee you, the first time I listened through Load, this one didn't sort of really jump out and grab me by the throat. It was a bit of a grower, but now it's like, yeah, I think love that song. It doesn't help they oh. only played it three hundred sixty nine times live too, because <laughs> people aren't hearing it a lot in a live setting and. Yeah, uh, this is one. If I, had I kept my Edmonton tickets, this is one I would have been hoping that they they would have done live because I'd love to hear uh, King Nothing as opposed to, well, a, a couple other songs from this era that that they break out a little more frequently uh, on tour. But well, I was going to say too, you, you must have loved the video because I'm pretty sure that was shot down in Estevan in uh, January. <laughs> by the looks of it, <laughs> clearly you've never been to Estevan in January. <laughs> All right. Uh, First, uh, does anyone know what, 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 what just arrived? David, Smell the Glove is here. Hello, That's right. Smell the Glove is here. <laughs> so we're, we're going to take a, a break to listen to that. But while we do, uh, we're going to play a song that Metallica has played 74 times uh, live and in concert. Uh, this is a little ditty called Hero of the Day. you've queued up the wrong song Corey. i think this is like third eye blind or some 41 or some kind of fucking lame southern california indie rock bullshit i, I gave sure it little, the right song i gave it a little more credit than that i called it soundgarden <laughs> earlier or pearl jam or it's very grungy it's very 90s era sounding <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh this is gonna go well i can tell right now it's, it's a complete catastrophe <laughs> It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yeah, it's just clever. like a turnabout. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, they're, they're at the line. I'm not sure they're on the right side of it. Oh, good Lord. I, I mean, but we're showing our hand early here. But, uh, <laughs> we don't necessarily think this is the greatest song on this album. It's sort of also and okay, a band that we both really like, and I've seen four times live, Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of... <sighs> trying to do something like that but you're metallica you don't really have the toolkit to do it well and also i mean do you think this too cory let, let me lay some an idea on you okay. do you think this song sounds weaker because it's following king nothing yeah, when you come well, out of king nothing and so good and you just pumped and then you get this weird i mean i've literally written down my first thing that i've written down at zero 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 is what the fuck is this yeah like it's just I, i'm just i don't want this from metallica no, and yeah. it's it's like a Metallica pop song, and I don't think anybody wants a Metallica pop song. Oh, it's not a good pop song either. No. You should never pull out your lyric sheets that you wrote when you were 14 <laughs> and put them in a song when you're in your what, early 30s, mid-30s. Dear me, that's an awful... Like, still the window burns. Time so slowly turns and someone there is sighing. Keepers of the flames, do you feel your name? Do you hear your baby's cry? It's, 
fucking awful, Corey. I know it sounds I like just, a Tony Banks. I can't Banks believe lyric. that James Hatfield wrote these lyrics. I'm like, wow. I, I think Tony Banks ghost wrote for him on this song because that sounds like a Tony lyric. It's dreadful, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it's not yeah, great. It's there, there are lyrical moments in the song I do like. That's definitely not one of them, though. And I, when they they picked up the tempo in the song, I I kind of get back on board a little bit. Okay. Like it, it's I, it's not Metallica. But if you take off that preconceived notion and just listen to it as a piece of music, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm kind of on board with this because I like Soundgarden and I like Pearl Jam and Nirvana kind of got a come yeah. as you are type feel to it. It's so funny because that's not what I hear at all. I don't hear the grunge thing. I think oh, really? I hear the, the Sum 41, like that. It's that kind of power indie, pop punk. Yeah, that's more what it sounds like to me. And, and again, that's just, I don't, you know, um, baseline though. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. Really That's is. a really nice sort of ascending arpeggio that he's playing there. It sounds really cool. Yep. I love it when Jason gets to showcase something in a song and he gets to view that here. So. Turns out, quite a good bass player, Mr. <laughs> Newstead. Who would have thought? All right, I'm, as we're talking, I'm dropping my lyric score. I, I had it too high. Oh my, that that was not that that was not. It's so good. not good. <laughs> it's just not good. Now, deservedly, this easy chair, but the rocking stopped by wheels of despair. It's bad, Corey. This is a bad lyric. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> you know, Stephen King, he has the odd stinker in his uh, bibliography too. I mean, all the best writers do. Of course, yeah. Oh, hey, look, I've. I've lauded Hetfield as a, as a lyricist. You've totally got me on board with this, um, which is why I've said, like, I've rated some of the songs that we've listened to. I've been a little bit harder on him than maybe I would have thought I would be because I know what his standard is. I know what his goal standard is. And when he doesn't reach, it's like, fuck, dude, really? This is what you're putting together? Fair enough. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, remember, uh, he had a lot going on at this period of his life, too, with being in the throes of alcoholism, and he wouldn't deal with that until St. Anger. Uh, yeah. So, but th And there's some... Some great tunes about dealing with, uh, you know, the the beast that lives on your shoulder and stuff coming up on this record. But, yeah, I'm not sure what was going on uh, with the band on this one here. So that's a pretty different section. You got some double bass happening, and Lars is just, look what I can do. I can play real loud. It's kind of like they came back in, you know, they recorded that first section, came back in and thought, oh, fucking hell, we're Metallica. We better do something heavy. And it's just sort of, my criticism of that part is that it's really indistinct. I can't, I can't really hear what anyone's doing because everyone's just thumping away. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. There's no riff there. It's just sort of, I don't know. It's just a bit of a mess. Well, you talked about space in the last song and yeah. how spacious it felt. This is everybody crammed in a phone booth. It's just bad. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. No. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, I will. <laughs> we got a solo coming up here. Let's see if this gets you back on board. Lars can't help himself. No, he can't. <laughs> Kirk is, is trying something different, and I actually gave him a lot of credit. He's playing like a nice melodic solo. It's not a shredder. Uh, he's, he doesn't have any wah pedal on it that I could hear. It's just like a nice yeah. melodic thing. I'm like, okay, you're trying something different. I get it. And he talked in this period. Uh, I was into creating soundscapes and, and not shredding solos. All right, that that's cool. But Lars is like, fuck that. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't even written too many notes about Lars on, the, Lars on this because he's kind of the least of the problems in this song for me. Okay. The solo's fine. I mean, it's just yeah. a bit, 
eh, whatever. I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't really give too much of a shit about it either. It's one of those, you know. And again, I'm, I'm holding these guys now to a standard that I didn't think was was there before. So just a bit, eh, okay, okay. No, I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, did you have any more? Or are we done with this one? Because that was my well, last time. Well, three thirty-seven. Because this is where I think again, even this song's only it's only four twenty-two. It's way too long. And I think at three thirty-seven, you can tell they've just run out of ideas now. Okay. So why don't we just figure out some way to fucking end this thing now and put us all over our goddamn misery? It's just, you're just repeating the same thing. It's like, it's almost like, you know, because the album's 78 minutes, right? It's the longest album in Metallica's catalog I was reading. It's literally the longest I think they could fit on a CD. It's 79-something. It's just insane. And that's, it almost feels like they've said, you know what, we want to write, we want to use all of the space. We want to take the whole CD, which is whatever, that's fine. I mean, it's kind of a cool as an exercise to do that. But this section just adds nothing to this song at all. What are you talking about now? Mama, they try and break me. I work. This is fucking coming from now. Like we're talking about your mum earlier. We're gonna be talking about your mum later, but we haven't been I don't know, dude. I just I just think it's a weird a weird thing to throw in. But. And, and where you uh, paused it on here, we still have thirty seconds. Yeah. So it it goes on for a bit. All right. So I guess uh, are we done? Can, can we be done with hero uh, oh, of the day? Please, yes. A song about children who look outside of their homes for heroes when their hero should be their parents. Okay, I can Oh. I, I already know really? I'm the hero of my kids, so <laughs> you're the hero of mine too, Corey. You know, oh, I just, figured. Just a, a hero. I figured. I figured. Um, uh, I was actually kind of forgiving on this one. I, I got to be honest okay. with you. Uh, I imagine you're going to be much, much lower. Musically, I gave it a six because I didn't mind the solo. And I really like how James is performing it until this kind of last section, the moment they try and break me apart. But on, on a couple of those chorus sections, he's really kind of giving it his all. And so I, I really felt like I needed to reward that performance. So I gave it a six. Lyrics, I gave it a four. Uh, there, there's a couple of lines in here I don't mind, but overall, it's uh, it, it just doesn't work for me, dog. Uh, if I was going to ask, uh, you know, uh, Torben, uh, what 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 I should do with that, or what James should do with that, he would probably say, "I would say delete that." You know, maybe just yeah, just delete it. It just doesn't cut it. Uh, and production, I, I gave it a two because uh, it, it's too long. Uh, there's so many sections in the song that don't work for me. Um, I'm not really sure what they were going for. Like, it's got a little bit of a Soundgarden vibe, and then it's got a little bit of a uh, you know, the Rembrandts and the Friends theme mixed in there somewhere. Like, it's just it's, it's a big hodgepodge of things. So uh, this one was a miss for me. It's a six and a four and a two. Kevin Brown, what were your final grades on Hero of the Day? I was lower than you pretty much. Well, no, across the board, music <laughs> music three. I mean, the vocal's not awful, but again, it's so far off his best. Jason's bass is the only thing that I like about this song, to be honest with you, musically. Um you know, Lars with his fucking it sounds stock comment on the some kind of monster video. Could you have played a more stock drum part on this song? I think it's fucking stock. What which part of that <laughs> is unclear to you? And so I'd written down my comments about Lars was is Lars is just thrashing about like an epileptic gibbon half the time. <laughs> an epileptic uh, gibbon. Interesting. Yeah, so that's you know, <laughs> and again, I just I think the lyrics are so fucking generic and dull and the production uh, so looks too Production 1.5, because I think it's two different ideas that just don't go together. Yeah, I, It's a train wreck of a song to me. I, I can't believe they released this as a single. Peanut butter and tuna. The albums, to be honest, but. Peanut butter and tuna. Two d- great tastes that don't necessarily taste great together. But I, I need an epileptic Gibbon t-shirt design now, because we're going to get some t-shirts <laughs> made up, Kevin, for this show. We're going to have a website and everything, and I, I got to get an epileptic Gibbon uh, t-shirt. What would that look I'm like? On I wonder? It. <laughs> They'll probably well, be done by if, the end of the show here. Imagine Lars playing this song. That's roughly what it looks like. <laughs> We've already got a killer Lars design that, that Kevin, I already told him exactly what it should be. Uh, he's going to be working on that. We're going to get that for you folks as soon as we can. But before then, why don't we play a little track that Metallica has played 164 times? This is actually uh, Chris Jericho's favorite song from the Load Reload albums. Absolutely loves this one. This is a track called Bleeding Me.
Is that an organ? That's a fucking Hammond organ. Yeah. Or if it's not a Hammond, it's definitely an organ. And I was looking because I was like, it's a fucking organ there and a Metallica song. Who's playing that? No one's credited with it in the liner notes that I can see. So I'm wondering whether that's just Bob Rock threw that in later or so if anyone if anyone's listening knows who played that, I mean, it changes the sound of this this part of this song just so much for the better. It's love so it. Cool. I love that edition. It is so cool. Uh James is really he, he really sought out uh different uh songwriters uh during this period. He talked about listening to a lot of Tom Waits and uh, Leonard Cohen. He said, I, okay. I hate the music uh, from those guys, but the lyrics are, are outstanding. And he was really inspired by that. And he, there's a lot of country influence on this record, too. There, there's a little bit of country in there, too. With that organ, you, you kind of get that feel, too. But and but to me, this was always kind of like a Johnny Cash song. Like, especially Johnny oh, really? Cash uh, during the American uh, recording set, you know, those albums he was doing with Tom Petty and all that near the end of his life. You know, talking about his deal with alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. This is kind of James dealing with that, too. A very, very personal song for him. And... You, you could almost feel the pain that he's singing about in the verses. To me, this song, like musically anyway, um, it's sort of an homage to Planet Caravan by Black Sabbath. It's got that same sort of soupy, kind of misty. You can you can see mist rolling over the hills and it's it's dusk and all that. It's got that kind of feel to me, which again, I mean, I'm fucking sucker for that kind of stuff, Corey. I like Pink Floyd. I love early Sabbath. It's got that doomy kind of thing going on. And then there's that, you know, the, the lick that's being played, on the bass notes of the electric guitar with the bass guitar as well. Just, I, I dig it, Corey. I dig it. Well, and we're going to get night and day lyrics from James too, because here we got, especially in that first verse, I'll, I'll just play it and, and we'll get your comments. Someone's got a little unforgiven vibe to it too, doesn't it? Like, Hundred percent. Yeah. song is really kicking in here, but I just want to read a quote from James uh, about uh, about this period in his life. And he said, quote, around the time of load, I felt I wanted to stop drinking. Maybe I'm missing out on something. Everyone else seems so happy all the time and I want to get happy. I'd plan on my life. I'd plan my life around a hangover. Like the Misfits are playing in town Friday night. So Saturday night is hangover day. Yeah. He lost so many days of his life going to therapy for a year. He learned about a lot about himself. There's a lot of things that scar when you're growing. You don't know why. The song Bleeding Me is about that. I was trying to bleed out all the bad, get the evil out. While I was going through therapy, I discovered some ugly stuff in there, a dark spot. Yeah, I mean, and it comes across. I mean, it, again, it's a very simple lyric, and it's an old blues trick, right? Where you just keep building. So I'm digging my way. I'm digging my way to something. I'm digging my way to something better. You're just building each line, and it's repetitious, but it's repetitious in the good way. I think it's, I think it's a, and especially over top of that, you know, the way the music's set up and the way he's singing it in that sort of low register and he's not forcing, he's not pushing it at all. It's perfect, man. I think it's a perfect compliment. How do you set a mood and tell a narrative with two lines? That's how. Hammett in peak slash mode <laughs> and that those are those are the, that's the stuff i love listening to slash to when he's putting those little it's like a little almost like a little solo yeah. like a, just a really short like you know eight bar solo something in there in that break between in sections and it's just gorgeous plays the shit out of that absolutely uh, i want to get to the chorus because uh, that that's where this song really takes off for me that's about 244 did you have anything before then sure Stop the 
Oh, did I say King Nothing was my favorite chorus in Metallica? Jeez, <laughs> Bleeding Me might be right up there. I love that. Yeah. Cut under wheels roll. I take the leech. I'm bleeding me. If you're getting out that evil, I take yeah. the leech. Like that, that's such a great visual metaphor for that. Oh, that was so good. Well, they used to, I mean, they used to use leeches all the time, right? That's what the doctors used to use. You know, Cured everything, you gotta, right? You, yeah. you got a cut on your arm, leeches. Yeah. You know, you got genital warts, leeches. If your gibbon has cancer, epilepsy, leeches. leeches. <laughs> yeah. Hey, put some leeches on that gibbon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my comment here was best vocal performance on the album? Question mark? Tough to argue. Hockey sounds good here. And especially coming up, when we, I think it's the third chorus. Like when he really belts it out, holy cow. There's a song, I think it's next week we're going to cover. I think I'd written down that it might be my favorite vocal performance okay. on the album. So, but I mean, it's great. I don't, and you know, me and you have talked about this lots about the, you know, wheels roll. I don't always love it, but it doesn't, it doesn't throw me off here because of what he's singing about and what he's, he's, he's delivering with passion and energy and an attitude and, and despair in some cases. Right. So I think it's okay. It doesn't really doesn't aggravate me too much. There, it, so, it seems yeah. natural there. It's not manufactured, right? It's not like, Oh, I got to put yeah. a Jamesism here. Which I don't think he does a lot of. I think he does most of it unconsciously, and that's what makes right. it even cooler. But there's a yeah. couple times in the catalog where you say, "Okay, yeah, the producer said, hey, James, put in a Jamesism right there," but Bitch. definitely not on. Yeah, definitely not on this song. Yeah. What does Randy Wood always do? Uh, yeah, gotta go to the store, uh, get some milk, uh, get some smoke sound. <laughs> <laughs> we should now, like, so, so we, we're talking. You know, I, I love this song to this point. Lars Ulrich is on this song. <laughs> and I've I talked to you, I think it was last week or maybe last week, you know that whole thing about playing the same thing three times in a row instead of varying it up. And we can play it pretty much from here because it's pretty much right here. And I'm, I think it's a, I think it's the Rattatat snare thing that he does. But so just listen to the, the way he plays it and then we'll... You're just sitting here being a complete dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again i mean and so i just think like play some okay do it through twice you know da, 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 but then roll off and drop off onto your toms or, or something just change that last one up because it's it's so lazy yeah, it drives me nuts is. Corey. Yeah, it, it drives is. me nuts because again i mean it it's not tanking this song for me because i like almost everything about this song but he fucking comes close in a few spots in this song to like you little shit and it's like, why? It's like, okay, here's a moment people need to know I'm playing on this track when it should be about the vocals and the guitars at this point, less so about the drums. And that's, again, I'm going to invoke Alex Van Halen, but he does perfectly almost every single time out that Lars just hasn't quite grasped. And I really liked your idea about do it twice and then roll off on the third. That would be really yeah. cool, and it's something different. It's something varied. He's not da 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 like so many times. Yeah, I get you. And we don't need to listen to it, but you know, when we get it, because there's a in this section of the song here, like from 416, and it's about it's about eight to ten bars where he's playing way too much. And we don't like say we don't need to listen to it. Um, well, I'm gonna play it. Yeah, we're gonna listen okay, to it. Okay, it's just so busy. So when you go and sue Napster, you little Danish twat. See, because I'm so into James, like, I don't really pay attention to that. But, yeah, when yeah. you call it out, it's like, okay, yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I, I, I gotcha. It doesn't bother me when I'm listening to the song. It only bothers me when I'm talking to you. I just got to stop being friends with you. <laughs> and, again, I mean, when we get to our scores for this song, it's not going to impact the song massively negatively at all because everything else around it. Because we're, we're evaluating the song. Yeah. And, I've, and that's where I've sort of had to recalibrate a little bit too, where I've got to get over the fact that Lars Ulrich sometimes irritates the living shit out of me. But is the rest of the song good? Well, yeah, if the rest of the song is good and there's just that one or two fills that take me out of the moment, then I've got to sort of let that go, right? Yeah. But if we go to 440, where James sings that, he sings that great bluesy, there's like the way he sings it's super bluesy, and then we lead into the this next section of the song, into the chugga chugga, which is, I think, super cool.
now I got to say, uh, Lars did what we were asking him to do at the beginning of that section, right? He varied it up. He dun, 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 and they did like a little roll. It's like, that yep. was great. That was fantastic. And you, and you know what those guitars do? These go to 11. They went to 11, motherfucker. <laughs> well, again, it's that, I'll throw back to what I said with the, the, the earlier reference at the start of the song. It's a very Black Sabbath-y, low-strung, sounds like it's drop-tuned. I don't know what it is. I don't know what key this is in. I should look that up, Corey. Um, but it, 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 it does it. It's, that's why it frustrates me, Corey. I've said this to you before. Is He does know how to play. And when he shuts the fuck up in the right places, that's a great drum part. Absolutely. It fits perfectly. Yeah. Just try to do that more often. Try to be more consistent, sir. I, I got to tell you that I, I understand totally about frustration because I, I was backstage one time and this happened. But then if you keep folding it, it keeps breaking. Well, keep and then you'll, everything has to be folded. Why does everything have to be folded? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite bits of that movie. So upset. Are we fucking nuts tonight? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that section. So it's, it is, it's not in drop then, it's just straight in straight E. I mean, I probably could have tapped my keyboard there to, to hear about. But it sounds heavy. Yeah. Sounds great. Yep, love sounds fantastic. Section. All right. Uh, I wanted to go to 608 because we get a little throwback to some classic Kurt Hammett. Uh, he loves the wah pedal. And this, I think, is the first instance of wah that we get on this record. some stank on it oh he put some stank on it but yeah i, I could see you miming the drums and making faces about what <laughs> lars is doing there because it's the same shit he always does yeah yeah because that solo is fucking wicked because i'd read exactly the same thing it's it's stank all over it. it's filthy that tone when he comes in with that wah and again i think there's something else on there i'd love to you know people if anyone's listening who knows kirk's rig it's not just wise there's something else there it's phase or it's there's something else on there that gives it a very specific and peculiar tone, and I, I just love it. Um, I even, you know, Corey, I'm not always a fan of the hoodler. I think sometimes it can be a bit of a crutch to fall back. I think here, to build the solo and take it into the second section, it's perfect. I, I know nothing of guitars, but I do know that he, he was using a new uh, guitar processor uh, on this record, okay. the Roland VG8, uh, I found out in my research. But another thing, I found this quote from Kurt about this solo. He says, quote, this solo sums up all my influences, which is a good dose of my own style. Uh, I really like how it turned out. It's one of his favorite solos. The octave part is actually from the vocal melodies. It gives the solo more dimension. And I talked about in my last Van Halen podcast how Ace Frehley was complaining about Eddie Van Halen incorrectly and Ingve Malmsteen correctly that their solos aren't memorable because you can't hum them. And I think you can hum an Eddie solo all day. Ingve, absolutely not. Please. Eddie yeah. Van Halen, you can't hum his solos. Give me a break. Yeah, but this is a solo you can hum. Yeah, definitely. Um, we should play from here, Corey, because this, this actually 702 was my next timestamp. And again, if you listen to how much more effective and impactful Lars is in this section where he's just punching the one on the kick and crash, you know, less is more sometimes. And you know, now we're heading into a, a sort of a coda, um, which was basically sort of the intro to the song. Do you need this part in this song? You know, we talk about songs being long. Probably not. Do I love it? Yeah, I fucking love the end. I'm used to having the drummer do the beat part. You know what I mean? <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. 
It's so cool. It's such a cool lick. It's one of those that, you know, I'm sure that like I know lots of guitarists. If a guitarist sat down and they're noodling and they've come up with that, they're fucking happy. They're really happy. And they're going to be playing that for days over and over and over again because they like it so much. Yep. No, I totally agree. Um, is it my turn to go or is it your turn? I think it's probably me. Okay. Well, I'll, go on. I'll go anyway. You did, yeah, because you went first on Hero of the Day. Um, and then yep. I, you know, upset you. Um, this, this, this one, I don't think I'm going to upset you. Music I went in nine. I think it would have been the first 10 on the album but for Lars's persistent inability to shut the fuck up. Because it was, it is just, it, it's too much. And whether you put it there on production, I don't know, but um, I, I dig the slow, dirgy, doomy vibe. I, I like this a lot. And I, and I like it when most bands do it well and they do it great here. And it's such a welcome change after all that fucking coffee sweetener I had rammed down my throat in the last song, <laughs> which I don't know if I'll ever forgive him for. Um, lyrics, I mean, love those repeated first lines. Um, love the worst word the word choices to get those soft syllables at the end so you know i'm stealing my way digging my way so that a it's a soft 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 syllable so we can really sort of croon it almost right he's got that that gentle delivery that's superb caught in the wheels roll i take the leech i'm bleeding me and that's what we were talking about so the leech is a panacea that and actually didn't really cure very much other than flesh wounds and i like that that's ties into the bleeding of me is trying to get this stuff out. But if you're only doing it superficially and you're not digging down, mm -hmm. you're not actually going to get to the root of the problem. So I think that's a very, very clever line. Um, production, I, I, four and a half. Again, like I, you know, Bob Rock allowed Lars to almost ruin this song for me. He didn't. Um, <laughs> I think the drum sound is a wee bit thin in the main section before it breaks into the heavier section. But it's not, I, I think it's fine. It's sort of appropriate. But overall, again, I mean, what, eight minutes, eight minutes, 19? Yep. I, I wouldn't trim this down by a fucking second. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, uh, I, tell you? You, I tell you. I don't want to pick a fight. I don't know if you're trying to pick a fight, but we're way off on this one. Uh, music, I gave it a nine. I don't remember what you gave it. I gave it a nine. Uh, love the music. Again, uh, Lars maybe gets a little too bullshitty uh, in some sections. Uh, so I gave it a nine. Lyrics, I gave it a nine. Uh, a big, solid line. Uh, and basically maybe just an odd line here, like, oh, come on, baby, or uh, I can't take it, I can't take it, maybe a little too repetitive, just little minor nitpicks on that one, but a strong nine, a strong nine, and a four for production. Because at 819, I thought maybe you could trim 20, 30 seconds here or there. Uh, there there's a couple of sections that get a little too repetitive, you, you can probably snip out, and, okay. uh, and, and I, I think it would have been a little bit better for it, but really, minor nitpicks, nine, nine, and four. Uh, Bleeding Me is fucking fantastic. And Chris Jericho says it's his favorite song from these two records. Hard to argue, man. Great, great tune. Corey, it's happened. I have scored a Metallica song higher than you. Only by half a point, <laughs> but I'm claiming it anyway. To anyone who says I'm always down on Metallica, you know, 9, 9, and 4.5 for me as well. So, yeah, I mean, just a great vibe. Love this song. All right, so let's get to our – that's the end of Side B. Let's get to our Side B totals. Uh, my Side B total, uh, 8.5 uh, for music, 8 for lyrics, and 4.5 for production. It's really just – uh, hero of the day that, that kind of brings it down for me two of my favorite songs from this record are on this side uh king nothing and uh bleeding me so uh yeah. very solid for me on side b kev where were you at for this one well lower because i really really disliked hero of the day so much so music seven lyrics 6.5 production 3.5 but i rounded up because i feel bad that hero tanked the side for me so i kind of rounded up okay. so 17 overall um you know, I don't know. I think it. I think it was. I just wish that song wasn't on there, Corey. I think, and I think that's the same thing. I, I sort of said the same thing about the Black Album, but I think when you take the strongest songs that we've heard on this album so far, certainly on the first two sides, and you trim some of the fat off, you make one side out of the really, really good songs. Holy shit, it's strong. How about these fucking haters who hating on hating on Lord just because of the, uh, you know, Kirk and Laws were in eyeliner for some fucking reason, the mascara, and they cut their hair. Uh, well, I tell you what, you were seventeen on this side. I was twenty-one. Uh, because there, there's two great fucking tunes on this one. So. Yeah. Uh, when you contrast that with our side A uh, scores, where I was uh, 19 and a half, and you were 17 again. So you're you're pretty consistent. You're Mr. Consistency on load so far. Yeah. Uh, so your average is actually going to be really fucking easy. Uh, 17 and 17. I believe that average is out to 17. It averages out to 17, Corey. You are quite correct. Well, that's not bad. All right. Well, mine was 19.5. And then what did I do? 21 here? So I average out to about, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say 20. 
That's pretty good. Yeah. So twenty and seventeen uh, is how we're sitting after the first uh, the first LP of the double LP known as Load. Oh, that's not mm-hmm. too bad at all. I found a I found a quote from Lars about this record. He said some of that stuff was pretty cool. Um, with Load, it was disappointing that some people's reaction to the music was biased by how they dealt with the pictures, the hair, and all that crap. People have come up to me years afterwards and said, I never gave the record a fair chance because I couldn't get beyond Jason Newstead wearing eyeliner. Which is a very peculiar... And of course, like I'm completely removed from that. I didn't know that was even the case. And Jesus, I mean, come on, the rock stars, they're given to excess and they're given to messing about with all that things. And look, heavy metal fans, you're complaining about people wearing makeup. Uh, uh, Alice Cooper? Much? Like, come on, people. Uh, I believe the yeah, boys and Kiss have been known to wear a little makeup uh, now and then. Just, just a wee bit. Yeah, just a, just wee, a wee bit. bit. So um, uh, the first LP averages out uh, 37 out of 50, 74% uh, for load. So, uh, can, you know, compared to our season one Genesis scores, that would be, you know, uh, pretty damn decent. Absolutely. All right. It's beaten, it's beaten at least, on average so far, it's beaten at least three or four Genesis albums, I would say. Yeah. All right. Well, that means that we only have one piece of business left to do here tonight. All right, the four horsemen can only mean one thing. It's time to play the big four. Uh, it's Kevin's turn to test my skills. I, I'll update you on the scores right now. We're keeping score this season. I, I currently have eight correct on the uh, big four. Kevin only has five. So I've got a three-point lead right now. What we do is uh, Kevin's going to pick four bands, one of them being Metallica, and we have to rank them from highest to lowest in terms of Spotify monthly listeners and this uh, i've noticed this list actually fluctuates because uh they they recalibrate after the month right so uh you know you can't always uh, it, you know pinpoint well i saw these guys they're about here maybe they'll have a big spike in numbers for christmas or something or a big drop or whatever so yeah uh, i've got a commanding lead obviously the winner of this uh, gets a brand new car uh that the loser has to purchase so kevin you, you really got some work to do here tonight my friend you got to try and stump me what are your four bands for the big four well there's only one band and three solo artists Corey. oh i'm okay. taking you way i'm taking you way out of your comfort zone oh boy your artists are okay whitney houston oh beyonce oh metallica uh-huh. of course and shakira all right well i'm gonna assume beyonce is number one okay uh, she's got to be like 70 80 fucking million like it's got to be just a ridiculous number. So I'm going to say Beyonce one. I'm going to say Whitney Houston two. I'm going to say Shakira three and Metallica four. You have successfully identified Metallica. Oh shit! Last. I only got I got one. You got one. Oh yeah. no! Number one, Shakira. 59 million. Don't forget how big that lady is in South America. I she guess, but bigger than Beyonce? Huge. Holy bigger than cow. Beyonce. Beyonce's next with 51.5 million. Okay. Whitney Houston with 26.9 and Metallica with 24.5. Wow, I only got one right, so my lead only grows by one. Kevin, <laughs> if you go four for four next week, you could tie it up. I could. <laughs> and if you do, then the uh, prize is no longer a car. It'll be like a coaster or something, because I can't afford a car. <laughs> hey, I'll take a toaster. <laughs> I said coaster, oh, not toaster. Of course, oh, I thought you said toaster. I like toast. So do I. I can't afford a toaster. Are you crazy? <laughs> oh, man. When I was, years and years and years ago, fairly shortly after me and my wife got married, which was 25 years ago, so a long time ago, we were at um, XS Cargo in Saskatoon, which is like, a, it's a little, you know, um, sellout kind of thing where shit goes to, they couldn't sell anywhere else. And it's really cheap. I found a toaster oven. And I was just beside myself that I found a toaster of like $15 or something. <laughs> and, we've, and we've still got it. I use that thing all the time, man. I love my toaster oven. <laughs> I've got so many toasters. Uh, when Star Wars was big, when they were doing the new movies, my kids got me every sort of... St- I got a, like a Darth Vader toaster. <laughs> I, I got a, a Star Wars pancake maker and a waffle maker and a popcorn maker, you name it. So I, I've got uh, two Star Wars toasters, a regular toaster, <laughs> and uh, a hot dog coca-cola hot dog bun toaster that actually toasts the hot dog and the buns at the same time wow that's fancy shit man oh it's terrible it makes the worst hot dogs in the world i would not recommend it <laughs> would not recommend one star <laughs> exactly all right well i th- i think that's it that's it so yeah thanks for listening folks um johnny's again next week when we look at side c from load um, side C from a you know a less loved album sometimes can be a bit 
bit hit and miss. So we're going to see how we do with that. Uh, come check us out on social media at Ultimate Catalog Clash on Facebook and you Catalog Clash on Twitter and Blue Sky. Check out my other shows, The Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review. And if you want to find me on Twitter, come shout at me at, at Kev Brown Canada. Corey, what do you got going on? Where can the people find you? Well, they can find me on a couple of uh, potentially archive shows that are kind of in hiatus right now. BT Aerosmith, Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, and Backtracks Theme Music. Uh, you can find me mainly uh, and on the podcast will rock with my good friend Mark Kamire, where we're breaking down the entire Van Halen catalog one track at a time. We've only got it, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, double digits right now. We've only got like, you know, maybe 15, 16 songs left. So uh, we're, we're getting down to it. The discussions are happening about what we're going to do uh, once we finish all the Van Halen tunes. Sounds like we might be uh, become a Wham podcast. So uh, uh, wake me up before you pod pod will be the new name. And you can uh, check that out uh, coming up uh, later in 2024. Okay, well, I will leave everyone with the wise words of Mr. Viv Savage, the keyboard player in Spinal Tap. Have a good time all the time. Mm-hmm.